The framework of business is completely different in the new normal. To explore culture as the strategy, we have to look in places we haven't before. Looking into company culture from the C-suite to employees and from Fortune 500 to startups. It's time to understand the human side of company culture and the new shape it is taking. This is The Conversation on Culture Factor 2.0, and I'm your host, Holly Shannon. I'm really excited to share this with my Culture Factor 2.0 community. I've published Zero to Podcast. It was a book that I built to start my podcast, and I created it for myself just so that I could make other podcasts down the road. And then I realized that it's not just for me, it's for anyone looking to try podcasting for personal or professional reasons. So I'm also really excited to tell you that it already hit the top 10 in three best-selling categories on Amazon and number one in hot new releases in two categories. And even more exciting, the University of Chicago now carries it in their bookstore. So go buy your copy and get started. Zero to Podcast will be in the show note. I'll leave a link there. Or you could go to hollyshannon.com and you could buy the book and get any help you need building it for you or your company. Now on to our show. Well, hello, everybody. I am Holly Shannon with Culture Factor 2.0, and I have shifted my podcast a little bit to talk about um, all different kinds of things other than company culture. And today I have Dan Miller from Spora Health, and we are going to be talking about founder culture. Um, And we're going to talk more about um, his app, which is really, really cool. Uh, a little bit about Dan Miller is he is the founder and CEO of Spora Health, and he previously was a design manager at Lambda School, a product manager at Pathrise, and a research consultant at Forrester Research. Dan studied economics at Hofstra University, and in his spare time, he likes to run long distances, write, and play chess. So that's a little bit about Dan. Um, I should probably tell you that I was introduced to him after interviewing Arlen Hamilton, who is the founder of Backstage Capital. And um, I I really love what she's doing and her legacy that she's working towards. And it was really important to me to um, highlight a few of the founders that she wanted to, uh, you know, bring to everybody's attention. Of course, my clock is being in the background, everybody. Really sorry about that. You're not in England. So hello, Dan Miller, and welcome to Culture Factor 2.0. Hi, Holly. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much. Um, so let's dig in a little bit. Let's talk about um, what is Spora Health and, and how it came to be. Sure. So Spora Health is a primary care network uniquely designed for people of color. Uh, specifically focusing on Black Americans initially. And we provide care through um, our application, so uh, through uh, telemedicine. Uh, Additionally, we have some partners that uh, we can make referrals for in-person care when any of our members need to connect with a primary care physician in person or we need to refer to a specialist. And um, the the idea came about uh, towards the end of 2019, where I was uh, working at Lambda School and, and thinking about um, starting another company and uh, at the same time was sort of deepening my um, meditation practice and um, was really looking for more culture-centered options for guided meditations and um, just 
broadly tools to use uh, in the mindfulness meditation space. Uh, and back then, there really weren't great options. Um, uh, there's a high probability that if you wanted to listen to a guided meditation, it was going to, you know, uh, have a British accent uh, attached to it. And, and a lot of the stories were going to be, um, that were sort of the visualizations were, um, uh, weren't as culturally, um, uh, relevant as they could be. And so that was sort of the impetus and, um, really thought that there should be something a bit more, um, not to be redundant, but culturally aligned and, um, Unfortunately, there wasn't, and and so you know I was doing some research around you know creating that actual product, but really thought that uh, I was sort of taking a scarcity mindset in in taking that approach, and 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 if I had solved that challenge, I'd be solving symptoms of a larger uh, challenge, which are, are broadly uh, race-based inequities and disparities uh, in the U.S. healthcare system, and so taking a step back and and thinking you know in the most abundant way possible, what how large could this be? And the problem did reach um, to the level of, of uh, the entire U.S. healthcare system. And so I, I learned that primary care is a really amazing intervention point to start to um, address a lot of these inequities and disparities. So specifically, um, access to care, um, managing the quality uh, that folks have access to, uh, but then also starting to um, sort of influence the the care that, that is actually provided through um you know, training our providers specifically on cultural competence, et cetera. And so that was that was the beginning and, and all that happened around, you know, towards the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Uh, and then thankfully around, um, uh, I think it was uh, Black History Month. So in February of last year, um, created a culturally relevant wellness fair at Twitter um, and brought in largely black uh, physicians, psychotherapists, acupuncturists, um, I led a guided meditation. We had a gentleman leading Qigong. And uh, the experiment there was to get a sense of, you know, if there was a culture center option in the market, would there be demand? Um, and so, you know, uh, anecdotally having, you know, a lot of uh, lived experience, uh, my hypothesis was that there would be, but one to confirm that. And we had about 150 folks from uh, uh, Twitter and the, and the general public attend. And there was a ton of excitement that day, uh, which gave me conviction that there was definitely something here. And then yeah, kept moving on and, and building the practice out from there. That's really great. I, I love how you use Twitter to to sort of feel out if there was um, interest, right, in, in something like this. Um, I, I want to just go back a smidge, uh, if you don't mind, because yeah. you and I, in our previous conversation, um, when you were talking about your Buddhism practice and meditation, um, you actually um, fell into some epigenetics conversation with me about... Oh, yeah. um, transgenerational trauma. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind digging into that a little bit. And I don't know if that even got reflected in your Twitter experiment, but um, uh, would you mind just uh, speaking to that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, part of my process is to, um, to do two things, just to sort of confirm my assumptions and just broaden my knowledge. So one is just you know, uh, as a you know, former researcher, like just going as deep as possible into into the, the domain. And so specifically when I was thinking about, um, you know, meditation and mindfulness products uh, uh, for folks of color was really thinking about our, of, um, 
you know, an offering um, could go in terms of a, a value proposition. And so, yeah, like, you know, it, it's, it's one thing just to, you know, put, um, uh, you know, more culturally relevant um, meditations and, and products in the market, but really thinking about what, what's the real sort of um, unique problem that exists or a unique problem that, that could be solved for by taking that approach. And uh, I arrived at, so, so taking a step back, that's one part of the process is just like, you know, going deep into the domain. The second piece is just, um, is conversation. Um, and so seeking out as many folks as possible that are smarter than I am in the domain and, and just talking through my ideas with them, which uh, helps to, A, just help me practice you know, communicating specifically, you know, what it is I'm working on. And that helps me sort of arrive at, um, you know, not just like the, the actual elevator pitch and the language around that, but, you know, just sort of connects dots, um, in my mind. And, uh, and you can, you know, get visual cues from folks if they don't understand what you're saying, or if they do, if they're leaning in and those sorts of things. Um, so that, that's just like, you know, uh, some insight into like, you know, uh, early stage processes on my end. Um, but, but, you know, digging into the research arrives at uh, um, epigenetics. And for folks that aren't familiar, epigenetics is the study of, um, uh, of sort of heritable changes uh, in gene expression. So um, uh, changes that happen um, uh, within genes that are passed down from generation to generation. And within uh, Black Americans, um, there, there are some unique findings. Um, uh, specifically, there tends to be um, more cortisol, which is the, uh, I believe the stress hormone or the hormone to t that's used to manage stress, um, most prevalent in, in folks that um, um, are experiencing more anxiety than, than average. Um, and so th there, was, there were some unique use cases for us to sort of explore pushing forward the the meditation for for POCs and that we could frame it in a way that you know look there there's some unique issues that um, that are happening with living in a racialized society having a lot of exposure to stressors in your environments um, uh, broadly um, being exposed to social determinants of health um, here are some mechanisms that can help manage those actively so so that we can sort of stop the cycle and that, you know, our offspring um, are not sort of uh, have higher um, uh, probabilities of, of experiencing um, of some of these uh, conditions. Uh, and so that was sort of the framing and, 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 you know, how I started thinking about some of these problems. And these, these challenges still exist. And I still think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, but it, it was like, you know, the, the field is, is rather nascent in terms of connecting epigenetics with solutions and um, collecting enough data, um, you know, generationally to, to see if things are changing. Um, but there, there's a lot of opportunity there, I, I, I believe. You know, it's interesting. Um, I interviewed Brian Smith uh, with Leon Health Sciences um, not long ago, and he talked about epigenetics in terms of Holocaust of survivors. Um, so it's, it's probably a lot of parallels there. I, I, I wonder if yeah. that study wouldn't, um, help you in some way. Um, so just a, an aside there. Um, so how, I, I don't know that people, um, who are not persons of color, if they don't understand clearly enough. So I, I definitely just want to give you the platform. How is the experience of uh, patients different 
um, from one practice to another, from one doctor to another, um, that this telemedicine and specifically for, for persons of color, like by design, why, why is it better for that group? Yeah. 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 It's a great question. Um, and, and one that I, I got quite often is like, why, why do we, why did like, why do we even need primary care for folks of color? Um, and, and the reason is that, uh, in the United States, um, thinking about primary care and the origins and, um, just the entire history of, of uh, primary care in the United States um, hasn't taken into account ethnicity and uh, and culture in the sense of of thinking about different interventions that should be recommended um, and different treatment um, patterns that should be recommended uh, and thought through. Uh, over the last 20, 30 years, there have been, uh, there's been a lot of, of research put in the space around uh, social determinants of health, but on the provider training side of things, um, uh, their education ha has not caught up to speed. And that's to say they they probably don't um, have cultural competence training that exists uh, in med school uh, and residency. And so there typically is uh, one course in, in med school, happens the first year, um, but when we start to think about the cultural competence and uh, trying to tailor the actual care delivery experience with different patient populations, um, uh, and having training around applications and how to do that—that—that that, that does not exist. And, and the reason that that's important is because healthcare, the the inequities and disparities that exist today across any population that you look at—they're they're a function of design. And that is to say, uh, I don't believe they're actually explicitly designed that way. Um, meaning that they weren't considered when we were uh, designing care models um, before telemedicine platforms, you know, became very popular, and really before a sort of consumerization of of, of healthcare um, became popular. And so, uh, typically, we're treating the body as a body, and um, you know, we're ignoring environments and and cultural norms. Um, uh, and that was leading to very different uh, experiences for from patients, and, and that was producing uh, wide variances of, uh, of of quality health outcomes. And so, um, you know, to answer your question directly, it's it's important because it's never been considered. And and for us to course correct and uh, start to decrease some of these equities and disparities for specific populations, we need to uh, uh, intently focus on those populations. And think about care models and and new innovative ways to to help increase better health outcomes. And it's a nascent space, but um, I believe it's going to be one that is going to have a lot of benefits, not just for uh, folks of color and and you know populations that can acutely benefit, but broadly anyone. Um, if we're thinking about how to better create care models for rural populations um, or otherwise, um, I think we'll be able to to produce better health outcomes. I think it's such a critical need and, you know, I can only speak to it on a small scale as being a woman that I have always felt that the primary care field has always been inundated with white males that are over the age of 50. And it's been very difficult for me as a woman sometimes to get care from somebody who would actually understand um, what that is all about. Um, 
and and the differences and uh, you know a lot of the models are designed um for men um and yeah. and not for a female um i i do see somebody raising their hand the audience but um i just want to make sure are you okay if we bring somebody up for a quick question sure Excellent. Let me uh, bring Marissa up. Thanks so much for allowing me up here. Oh, I'm glad you're joining us. What would you like to ask, Dan? Um, so, Dan, I just I think this is incredible what um, you've you've created here with Spora Health. Um, I'm actually have a background um, in the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry, um, and I studied um, biology, kind of understanding a little bit more um, of the genetics and epigenetics. And I think it's something that's very lightly touched on. Um, and has not trickled down into medical practice and yeah. pharmaceutical practice. Um, and, and it's a huge, it's a huge space that needs to be advocated for. And I think this is fantastic. Um, and, and I'm really excited to kind of, um, take a look at Spora Health and follow your journey as well. Um, on my end, I'm always looking to advocate for health, health equality, um, as a woman of color myself, um, uh, navigating the healthcare world and, you know, kind of jumping ship from the healthcare world. I think it was, um, something that I realized that I will need to come back, come back to, um, eventually because of my passion and the change that I want to make. It's just, sometimes you need, um, what's it called? <laughs> the, um, little inspiration. The assets, um, <laughs> Changes, right. Uh, so I'm kind of, you know, channeling another passion right now to to build upon um, that uh, those assets there so that I can make the changes that I'm hoping uh, to make. But um, you're making great strides here. And um, I thank you for for touching on a lot of this. Um, and of course, would be um, open to chat with you about anything in regards to Spora Health. That is something that's very uh, close to my heart and um, something that I've uh, dove into a lot through my years in the healthcare um, and being frontline in a pharmacy as well. Cool. Thank you so much. So just looking forward um, and thank you, Marissa, for, for your, for your question. I think that's really great. Um, what does success look like for, for Dan Miller, maybe for Spora Health? What, what are, what would success look like for this whole telemedicine platform that you've created? Answering the question from my personal perspective, you know, I'm working on uh, leaving a legacy in, in which Black Americans can live more fulfilled and joyful lives by by being healthier, and and I think I've acquired unique skill set to be able to um, to work towards that legacy, and um, and so that that's that's what I'm personally motivated by, and 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 I'm working towards. Sport health is the current manifestation of of creating that end. Um, I believe uh, for us to to get there, um, we need to be the largest culture centered primary care network in the United States, uh, and so that is um, uh, I think possible by by focusing on um, growing populations in the U.S. that I mentioned a little earlier are acutely sort of impacted by these disparities and inequities. Um, focusing on specifically, you know, the populations that our founding team know best as as Black males. So, um, focusing on Black Americans, but that includes Latinx populations, South Asian Americans, East Asian Americans as well. Um, and understanding that those populations are growing um, to be the ethnic majority in the U.S. by 2040 at the latest. 
And so, you know, for us to achieve that, we need to, you know, solve some large challenges, um, including, you know, gaining the trust of patient populations that uh, historically have been taken advantage of and uh, for, for valid reasons have mistrust against the U.S. healthcare system. And so that, that's a, a challenge in its own. And we're, we're thinking very thoughtfully about ways that we can do that um, in showing up where they are, not just, you know, sort of um, geographically, but, um, you know, emotionally and then um, uh, culturally, et cetera. Um, but also thinking about solving for challenges that are inherent to, uh, uh, you know, in our, in our patient population's experience, you know, the, you know, in the black experience um, are unique for them. And so, you know, that's manifesting right now by, you know, trying to solve for um, um, assessing for pre-chronic condition uh, probabilities and then uh, creating treatment plans there. Um, and, and that may change in, in the future and include some other use cases. But um, for us to achieve success, uh, we need to solve some, some very large challenges that um, historically haven't been you know, solved for it. So uh, we have our work cut out for us, but um, you know, there's nothing else that I'd be working on right now. This is, this is all I'm really you know, caring about and thinking about right now. Well, I love your dedication. I think it's really fantastic. Um, I, I don't want to close this without asking you, is there anything that I have not asked you that you would like to share about your story or your, your goals for Spora Health? No, I, I think, um, you know, another piece around just where we're headed that that's really important is for us to focus on um, uh, some very stark inequities and disparities that exist around maternal mortality and morbidity. Um, and so there uh, you know, will be a large emphasis on supporting black women through and women broadly um, through uh, fertility journeys, but also, um, uh, you know, really focusing on third trimester and then sort of up to 30 weeks, um, postpartum. And, uh, there's a lot of, um, unfortunate data that, that exists around a lot of the maternal mortality cases specific for black women being preventable about 60% of the deaths. Uh, and we believe there's, a, um, you know, for, for us to exist, we need to focus on, starting to try to save some of these lives and, and also just decrease some of the morbidities that exist as well. Um, and so that, that will be a, a large focus um, for us. Uh, and so, yeah, just wanted to make sure that that was, uh, that was known for folks that are listening as well. That's an enormous percentage. Yeah. 60%. Wow. I, I, I love that you're working towards that. Um, I will tell you that I had my, own issues. Um, and just, I'm not a, a person of color, but, um, I did have my own issues. So that actually, you know, hits me at the core, even though I had good health care and I had people to take care of me, didn't change my outcome. So, um, very interesting. Thank you, Dan. I am glad that you put that in there because I really think, um, if people could understand the what Spora Health is encompassing, what its goals are, what's important to it, then, you know, people can get behind that and, um, and maybe use your services. So this is great. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome. We're, um, we're, you know, available um, uh, in, in across all app stores. So you can either go to sporahealth.com and sign up or 
um, find us in the uh, the Apple or, or Android um, app stores. Uh, additionally, we are uh, seeing patients in in Florida, Virginia, Tennessee, and, and Pennsylvania. However, you know anyone in the U.S. can can download the app and uh, use some of our features. I'm glad you added that in because that was my next question. So that's perfect. <laughs> Everybody knows how to find Spora Health now. Uh, a yeah. great app, a great telemedicine um, alternative, um, especially if you don't live in those states. Can you just repeat those states one more time? Uh, Florida, Tennessee, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. Excellent. So I look forward to hear you growing and maybe we'll have you back on as you start to expand and... Um, have continued success. Thank you for coming, Dan Miller. Yes, yes. Thanks so much, Holly. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation today. And, and yeah, most certainly would love to come back once we, uh, you know, continue to expand. Excellent. Thanks for coming on Culture Factor. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.